Welcome to Baby Steps, a podcast series brought to you by Jenea, intended for healthcare professionals. I'm Dr. Sam Hay, and in this podcast series, we're talking about how best to support your patients who might be struggling to have a baby. Have you ever wondered what it's like for patients who begin their fertility journey at Jenea? In today's episode, we're taking a walk through a Jenea clinic by meeting a dedicated team. Joining me today is Dr. Sonal Karia, who's a fertility specialist. Jenea nurse, Laura Horgan, Genevieve Rusden, a Jenea scientist, and Lacey Guest, a patient relationship coordinator. Welcome to you all. So I'm gonna start with Dr. Karia. You're a fertility specialist at Jenea. What is it actually like for patients when they first start that fertility journey? Where do they start? Is it a consultation with yourself? Usually, yes, but most people in Australia would first see their GP to get a referral because, like you're aware, in Australia, you usually don't see a specialist without a referral. But before we start talking about their journey, I just want to highlight that there are two aspects that I have to deal with when somebody approaches me. One is, of course, the clinical aspect of the whole thing, which I'm specializing in. But fertility journey also has a lot of social aspect associated with it. And often patients who come to me are under this impression and they walk through the door thinking that this is never going to happen because this was supposed to happen in the comfort of my bedroom and obviously it hasn't. So it is my first job to calm them down a little bit. It's the meet and greet. And often I start the conversation by just saying, what brings you to me? And they often say, oh, we've been trying for a baby. And then I laugh and say, oh, that's when people think about me, right? (laughs) And that actually de-escalates the anxiety a little bit. So it's actually so important to do that before you actually just get into the medical aspect of the whole thing. So I go through their history. How long have they been trying for a baby? Have they been doing the right things? Do they have a knowledge about the fertile period during their menstrual cycle? Because sometimes you just realize during a consultation that it's something very simple that they have been missing, like the right days in the cycle to try. And you guide them through such stuff. Of course, examination is a part of any medical consultation. So once I've done a detailed history for both the partners, or sometimes if there is no source of one of the partners, like the egg or the sperm, then I determine what the source is going to be. And often it may be a donor that they're using. And we need to talk about that aspect as well. So once we talk through that, then I examine the couple as necessary. But investigations is a big part of what we do. So basic investigations are required for both the parties because, of course, I want to know what the raw material is like. So the egg and the sperm is the basic raw material I'm looking for. And and with with those investigations, are there some that uh, for us as GPs that we can do before we get them to see you or is it best that you coordinate what they need? Oh, absolutely. I think GPs play a phenomenal role in this whole thing because the patients have known their GPs for a very long time and their level of confidence with their GPs is very high. And GPs definitely can play a role by doing a full pre-pregnancy evaluation. Of course, as a part of their history, there may be medical issues that the couple already have and the GP are already aware of. And they can start sorting out those issues because any medical condition, like you know, could affect a pregnancy and could affect the outcome of the baby. So that's important for us to to cover off on and do the best we can to manage so that you're not having to do that. Exactly. Not only that I'm not having to do that, but I think it's a very coordinated care plan that we are making because even during the course of the pregnancy, the patient is not only going to see me, but see their GPs for ongoing care and they're going to see an obstetric team as well. 
And often if they have significant medical issues, I might refer them to the obstetric team even before we start their fertility journey. So the obstetrician is also well, well aware of their chronic issues and they're on their way to treatment. Often we also need to change certain treatment modalities that they're already on. So say, for example, somebody is taking medications for hypertension or for depression or for some other chronic condition, I might just advise them to change their medications and make them suitable for a pregnancy. Apart from this, the GP can also play a big role in performing all the basic investigations because most GPs would be very well versed to perform a pre-pregnancy screen, make sure that their vaccinations are complete, their infections are all sorted out, plus make sure that they have a basic sperm count and a sperm analysis done for the man and for the woman, check their egg reserve if they feel comfortable to do so, and a basic ultrasound scan. So what we're really covering is the basic raw material, the egg, the sperm, and the uterus, and also the health of the woman who's going to carry that baby and ultimately give birth. Because we're obviously aiming not only at a pregnancy. Pregnancy is only the starting point of what we're aiming at. Our ultimate aim is to get to a healthy baby, which is the end point of the pregnancy that we're looking forward to. Now, it's always daunting for me seeing, seeing couples and sending them off to you guys. And, and I always imagine that they're going, walking into this big elaborate clinic is their first consultation with you as a fertility specialist in the clinic or elsewhere? It could be both ways. So as a Janaya specialist, I happen to have my fertility consultation rooms in a Janaya building. But there are specialists who have a consultation room outside in, in an area where they are close to where they live. And they refer patients to the Janaya clinic just for the fertility treatment part of the cycle. So it could be either ways, depending on who you're seeing as your Janaya specialist. But I guess it doesn't have to be very daunting because just because you're entering a fertility clinic doesn't actually mean anything. And I think at this point, it's really important for me to say that Janaya is a fertility clinic. I do not want people to remain under the impression that we are an IVF unit. We are not an IVF unit. Our aim is fertility. Our aim is healthy families and healthy babies. In fact, Janaya means family, and that's how we changed our name to Janaya from Sydney IVF. Yeah. Because Sydney IVF was giving the impression that we are only an IVF clinic. At least 50% of people who come to us as patients will actually not get IVF and right. will get something really simple or simpler treatment or just some advice because that's all they need. And often they will just conceive naturally with that advice. So it's looking at that full spectrum of fertility support. Exactly. And the, the team that's looking after the couple, it, it's quite personalised, isn't it? Yeah, so we try and make it as personalised as we can for every patient because with each doctor, there'll be a team of people working. So I will have a group of nurses working with me. I'll have some patient relationship coordinators who will help them to coordinate their entire treatment at Chennaiya. And we'll have a team of embryologists working with each doctor in each of our clinics at different locations. So it gives them that continuity of care that they need and the confidence that they are working with one team. And that team is actually aware of all the issues that they are having and they will be dealt with in a timely fashion. Right. Very good. Now, Laura Horgan, you're a nurse, a fertility nurse with Janaya. Would you be the first person that a couple would come into contact with when they come into the clinic? 
Well, Lacey from the PRC team, um, they would book the initial nurse consult, but then the patients would come in and have a chat with us. Pre-COVID, that would be done face-to-face at the clinic and they'd get to have a little look around and we'd talk them through their cycle. Everything to do with monitoring, theatre procedures, kind of a general overview about insemination of the oocytes once they're collected, embryo development and embryo biopsy. Just so they had a, a general overview again, and um, they would have discussed all this with their fertility specialist, but just so we can kind of explain again in, in case they have any further questions about anything. Um, and then we'd be, as they go through treatment, we'd be the point of contact between patients and their fertility specialists. So we'd liaise with doctors um, with blood and scan results and provide patients with their medication instructions and next steps. And we do that mostly over the phone and via our patient portal. So the portal is great because they have something to log on to, which has all of their next steps that they can refer back to um, in writing just in case they have kind of questions later on. We also have an emergency phone for outside of hours that patients can call. So if a patient uh, along their journey, weeks down the track, they've got some little questions, they, they would call in and speak to you in the first instance? Yeah. Yeah, so we're always there to kind of answer any little questions they have, um, either over the phone or via email. Um, sometimes it's, it is just emotional support. It might be a difficult time they're going through. Sometimes it's clinical questions. Um, so being a listening ear is, is really important um, to guide patients through, you know, the happiest and saddest sometimes parts of their life. Yeah, and 24-hour access, that's a, a big commitment for you. Do you find people do ring in in the middle of the night? Very rarely. I mean, patients are absolutely respectful that it is the middle of the night. So it really is emergency situations when patients do call at that time. Um, we'll often have, have calls at maybe seven or eight in the evening, just as patients are doing their final injection, the trigger, and they just need a little bit of guidance and support um, just to put their mind at rest. It, it's so... Um, nerve-wracking taking these injections and making sure they're being done right for patients. So just to have a nurse on the other end of the phone you know, at any time is really reassuring for them. And did you notice that it made a big difference to how couples and patients felt having having that 24-hour access? Absolutely. They're so um, thankful that, you know, they they have that access um, and it kind of sets us apart and and makes patients realise that we're trying to strive for the highest level of care possible. And, you know, this would be a very specialised field of nursing. What have you found to be the most rewarding part of your job? I mean, the positive pregnancy tests are fantastic. Of They're course. always good, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, so that's what we strive for, of course. But honestly, when patients have a negative pregnancy test and we can support them through that and they're still thankful for the high level of care they received, that's definitely more rewarding um, because you know you're doing your job right then. What are your main strategies to help put those patients, those couples at ease? So... As I said, we do talk a lot over the phone, so it's really important we pick up on little cues um, which might indicate the patient is anxious or upset. I think offering a lot of time over the phone is really important just so they can ask any little questions they might have. Um, If a patient is needle phobic, for example, we'll have them come into morning clinic each morning to help them with their injections so they don't have to do those themselves. Um, and we just kind of talk them through. And, you know, what I would say to patients is be kind to yourself during the process. Um, it's okay to have a little cry. It's really important to have a supportive partner, or if not partner, even a friend who knows what you're going through. That can make the world of difference. Um, and if patients need 
additional support and are finding it particularly difficult, we do have a free counselling service as well, which patients can avail of at any point. And that's with specially trained fertility counsellors. And do you find a lot of patients do go through it alone? Um, I would say for the most part, they will have... Um, either their partner and it really is a journey together it's not just a woman going through fertility treatment it's a couple um, for the most part and they do go through that together and you know there's a lot of male factors um, with infertility as well and I think that becomes more apparent as as people come through um, and realise what the issues might be sometimes it's completely unexplained but half of the time it's male factor as well so it really is a a joint effort Um, but we do have um, single people coming through um, and in those scenarios um, it's really important I think just for us to be there even more Um, we do have an egg freezing service called Horizon and that would be mostly single ladies who want to freeze their eggs um, before thinking of having kids. Um, In those scenarios they might need a little bit extra support from the nurses and that's fine, we're here for that. Life's busy for um, a lot of adults across Australia and trying to juggle work at the best of times is hard. What sort of strategies do you get patients to to look at when they're trying to juggle IVF and work? So um, juggling IVF and work can be very stressful as a lot of people don't let their employer know necessarily that they're going through fertility treatment. Um, So we do our morning clinics between seven and nine each morning quite early just to allow patients to have their monitoring before work. And we do also have multiple monitoring centres across Sydney to make it a little bit more convenient. Um, But what I would say is to try not to do anything too stressful in the same month as fertility treatment, like changing jobs or doing big exams or moving house, you do really need to allow treatment to be your main priority while it's happening to make it a little bit easier. Now, Lacey, you're a patient relationship coordinator. I'll be honest, I don't fully understand what that means. (laughs) Yes, I am a patient relationship coordinator. I like to describe our team as the glue that sticks the pieces of the patient's journey together. So would you be the first person they come across? Yeah, that's correct. So we receive the initial um, treatment plan from the doctor um, and we book all the appointments for the patient coming through. So it's like the logistics coordinator. (laughs) Exactly. So we're there for any questions along the way. Um, We're that point of contact and that support person for the patient. So um, at any point they're feeling a little bit stressed or their answers aren't answered, then we're that point that they can call us, email us, and we're there to help support along the way. And would a patient expect to have the one uh, relationship coordinator or would it be a team? We do work in a team, um, but we are under each doctor at the same time. So if that one patient relationship coordinator isn't there to um, help, uh, then we've got a team of um, 10 that can pick up the answers and, and help along the way. But in general, one patient would speak to the same person at most of the time. Exactly. We really get to know our patients and it becomes a really personal experience. And what do you see the advantages are of that? Oh, I think they feel a lot more supported. IVF can be such a stressful time um, for patients. Um, so if we can ease that stress for the patients by just guiding them every step of the way, feeling like they've got a hand to hold, um, then I feel like we've done our job right. I, I guess that's one thing we've got to be um, realistic about is there's the medical side of things, but then there's the, the business side of things. So how do you, you ease that for them? Well, we're very transparent in the costs. So we like to explain this right up the front so they know exactly what they're they're in for, really. Um, So they've got all the information um, before they even make the decision to come through Jenea. Um, We also give them 
the support of um, other alternatives in payment. So we've got Zip Money, Access My Supercare, and we help guide them through that process if they need to access those things. And I guess by by you looking after all of that, you're separating it away from the the, the medical team. Exactly. Um, so if we can make that a lot easier for them with giving guided them with all the information they need, so um, what they'll get back from their health fund and what they'll get back from Medicare um, and just making sure that we're doing the work for them. They're not having to do the hard work themselves. And are there other services or supports that you can coordinate for them? Uh, yeah, so initially we coordinate all the appointments that, um, that they have to come through for. So whether it be the um, sperm testing, the nursing interviews, um, any other additional um, information that they need. We also do an onboarding call, which is our first um, call and that's their first welcome to Jenea. So we get the privilege of being able to welcome them, set out their expectations of what, what's coming up um, for their IVF journey, um, but also make sure that they've got everything in place so they can start as soon as possible. Because that's going to make it a lot easier for them, isn't it? They just speak to you rather than having to speak to the, the doctor, the nurse, the embry- embryologist to coordinate all of that. Exactly. We're that one person that they can speak to and they can trust in. Absolutely. So Genevieve, you're an embryologist and you're joining us on the phone from the Genea Clinic in Canberra. I'm wondering, can you step us through what a typical day looks like for you? Yeah, sure. It's it's quite a dynamic um, day. Usually it starts with egg collection. So that's when we meet the patients before um, their procedure and then we're actually assisting the doctor during that procedure. So the doctor is um, aspirating the follicles and we're looking through all that follicular fluid to find the eggs. Hey, hang on, so so the doctor is literally putting the needle in, pulling out that, that egg and then what do you literally do from there? So we're searching through all of that fluid to find the eggs. So um, it's quite, I guess it's quite an exciting part of the patient journey because that's that first step um, in the cycle. And then obviously after we've finished that procedure, we can go out and have a chat with the patient and let them know how that egg collection's gone, how many eggs we've collected and kind of go through a plan of what they should expect over the week ahead and what's happening in the lab over the week ahead. And is that a long process? Yeah, so um, usually it only takes a couple of minutes per egg, so it's actually fairly quick once um, you, you're skilled in that area. Obviously, it takes a lot of training to get to that point, um, but it is one of the most, um, I guess, hands-on and invasive parts of the, the process for a patient journey that we're a part of. Um, and it's quite an amazing one, certainly from a science point of view. Um, you know, it's quite a obvious the next day we know has this worked and so it's quite a quick um, feedback system to be able to let the patients know all right here this is where we're at now this is our next little milestone that we've reached and this is where we're aiming for for the next couple of days so um, a big part of our job is sort of updating patients and letting them know how their embryos and and eggs are going and um, how they're developing and, and what stage we're at and what to sort of expect over the rest of the week. You talk about it only taking a a couple of minutes, but there must be a huge amount of care that you have to go into to to looking after the embryo, the sperm and and so forth. Oh, certainly. So we're so meticulous in the lab. Um, We're a bunch of uh, people who enjoy colour coordination and all kinds of uh, very specific things in our processes. Everything is very process-driven, you know, in order, I guess, to maintain that that quality control and ensure that we're creating the best possible environment. One 
um, really big part for us is the technology that we use throughout the cycle for the patient. So um, one of our favourite pieces of technology that we have is actually the incubators that we use, which are called Jerry. And they're actually an incubator which takes photos of the embryos about every five minutes so we can have a look and see how the embryos are developing. Um, and that's a pretty amazing thing. When we first introduced yeah. that into the lab, I think every embryologist, we all just stood there a little bit hypnotised. It's been <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's divided. Like, look at this next step that's happened. It's just um, amazing to have that real-time um, information present, which historically with older incubators, we just haven't had that ability to be able to see that yeah. happen. I can imagine looking down a microscope all day, you would start to think of patients as a as an egg, a sperm, very simple. How do you how do you personalise that that connection more? Yeah, so certainly we take a lot of time, I guess, knowing our getting to know our patients beforehand because I think it is really important, particularly when we first talk to them, that they're comfortable and they have um, a lot of trust. I mean, in us in the process because they need to be um, yeah, completely uh, comfortable with what we're doing because we're basically we're taking their eggs and then we're giving them updates over the phone, but we're not actually seeing them for, for that week. Mm. So it is it is a lot for patients, I think, to have that bit of a disconnect. So, you know, leading up to that egg collection stage, they've been chatting with the nurses sort of every day or every second day and sort of getting updates with um, you know, having blood tests and scans and seeing how that progression is. And they're really feeling a part of that process because they're the ones that are giving themselves the injections and, and following all of those steps. And then all of a sudden we take the, the sperm and eggs in the lab and they don't, um, they're not, I guess, as much a part of that process. So one of the things that we've actually done is we've created an app which is called Grow. And so it actually links up to the incubators that we use. So it's a really important part I think of the patient journey and particularly sometimes the, the partners can feel a little bit left out and this is something that I think really makes them feel included is that they can log in and have a look at how the embryos are developing. So oh, hang on, hang on. so you mean that the, we, from the comfort of their own home they can literally log in and yep. look at their own embryo? Yeah, so they just open up an app. So what happens is we give them a call beforehand and say, okay, so today this is where the embryos um, have progressed to. This is what you're going to see when you open up the app. And then later on that day, the images are released and they can also see a little video of the embryo as it's developing. That would be fascinating. Yeah, it's just such an incredible, um, I think, part of the experience. And I think it helps patients not only feel a bit connected and more a part of the cycle, but also it really helps their understanding then when we're giving them different news, okay, this particular embryo, um, it's not suitable to use and here's the reasons why. And then you can see this other embryo, this is why it is suitable. So it, it is a really useful tool for us as well to really make sure that patients can understand why an embryo is being used or why it's not suitable to use. And you see um, we've had a few patients now who do a little bit of a sweepstake with their friends or um, <laughs> between themselves their partner choosing which number they think yeah. is the one that's going to win and have a bit of a competition. So it's quite funny how some people approach um, that process and try and find a little bit of humour um, in, in the whole uh, journey that they're going through. You need to have a laugh along the way, don't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. Dr. Sonokaria, why do you think that GPs should consider Jenea as the perfect place for their patients? 
So a part of this question, I think we've already answered by saying that it's the technology that is really important. And different labs are different. And that is why the outcomes and the success rates are also different. Even if you compare labs in the same country like Australia or our partners like New Zealand. But a very important aspect of this whole thing, like you can imagine, is the research and development that we need to invest in. Just think of it. IVF is only about 41 years old because the first IVF baby was born only about 41 years back. So so Australians should feel very confident, especially with Janaya, that we have the, the, the best technology, the best care uh, in the world and therefore the best chance of a good outcome. Exactly. So... Janaya has been the first for a lot of things, like transvaginal egg collections. You can imagine the times 40 years back when people actually had to go through a keyhole surgery just to collect eggs. And transvaginal egg collections is something that our founder, Rob Jansen, was actually involved in inventing. Then, you know, the incubators that we use currently, which are the world-class incubators... Well, Dr. Karia, Lacey, Genevieve and Laura, thank you very much for joining us. You know, there's no doubt as a GP, I feel incredibly confident that I can refer patients into Janaya and they're going to receive personalised care. It's going to be cutting edge, world leading, but that that empathy is there and they're really going to be looked after. So thank you very much for joining us. That's exactly right. We, we could summarise it with that one word and that's the empathy that we all feel for our patients. Thank you so much for having us. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, ladies. Thanks again for joining us today on Baby Steps. I want to thank Dr. Sonal Karia, Laura Horgan, Genevieve Rusden and Lacey Guest for sharing their insights and experiences. This was the last of the series. If you'd like more information about Janaya, you can visit our website, www.janaya.com forward slash HCP, where you can find a specialist for patient referrals and download resource kits and fact sheets. Or you can also call... 1300 511 402 and speak to a Janaya representative. Thanks a lot for listening.